biathlon is a unique Olympic event. It challenges participants with opposing athletic endeavors in a singular competition. It combines the heart-pumping aerobic aspects of cross-country skiing, matched with the intense focus of precision marksmanship. Two diametrically opposing forces, testing every ounce of physical and mental strength of athletes. Welcome back to Season 3 of Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. With each episode, Heartbeat brings you insights into this fascinating sport. As we head into late November, the BMW-IBU World Cup starter is just around the corner, Tuesday, November 29th to be exact. This year, the U.S. Biathlon team will mix veterans with what I'll call newer veterans and some World Cup rookies as it sends a record five women and four men onto the tour. The team has been enjoying great training conditions on snow in Vuokati, Finland this month, but is ready to make the two-hour drive down to Kantilati to kick off the season. Today on Heartbeat, we have the honor of speaking with legendary U.S. coach Armin Alkenthaler. Armand grew up in the iconic biathlon village of Antholz, competing as a biathlete and eventually finding his way into coaching. A big break came for him when he was hired as the shooting coach for the U.S. biathlon team in 2009. He stayed five years until he left for a stint with the Swiss national team. But he returned to the U.S. in 2018 as head women's coach and now oversees both the men's and the women's teams on the World Cup Tour. Armand dives into his background in the sport and previews an exciting U.S. biathlon team. This is a wonderful interview to brief yourself as a fan for the coming season, but also to meet an insightful and engaging coach. Let's head to Vukati, Finland for our heartbeat interview with head coach Armin Aukenthaler of the U.S. biathlon team. And today, Heartbeat is taking you to the heart of Finland, Vuokati, Finland, the training camp for the U.S. biathlon team. Armin Alkentaler, the head coach for the men's and the women's team. Armin, thank you for joining us on Heartbeat. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So tell us about the conditions in Vuokati. It sounds like training has been going very well. Yeah, Vuokati has provided a lot of uh, man-made snow from last season, from the snow farming and we had since we were, uh, arrived to finland nine kilometers 9k of uh mammoth snow and it was awesome it, it looks like it was one of the better places in scandinavia uh this season so we were very lucky to choose actually this place to go to tell us a little bit about the snow farming for folks who might not understand this this is actually snow that has been preserved from last season how does that work yeah, they produce the snow over the over the winter. With, of course, when the temperatures are um, the right ones and deep, um, so they produce it and they they make a huge snow pile. They cover it with uh, wet chips and uh, basically they cover it also with a special material and preserve it over the summer. And once it's time. Usually here in Vukat in Finland, they put the snow out around end of October to make sure that people can train uh, and ski early on. Do you have other teams training in Vukati right now? I imagine that the whole world is looking for good tracks to uh, to ski on. Yeah, actually, we had the uh, German biathlon World Cup team here, men and women. So we had actually good training conditions along with them. Our athletes actually could, you know, ski with them and look what they do. And so was the Japanese team was here. Some Ukrainians are here. Uh, it's it's a good training environment. 
Good. And training's been going well for the team? Training's going really well so far. We have done uh, good work the last uh, weeks or 10 days. Everything is uh, going in a good direction so far. Well, let's talk about your background, Armin. Uh, you've recently uh, taken over as both the head men's and women's coach. Uh, you've been with the U.S. team a couple of times, and we'll get to that. But let's go back to your growing up in Italy. You had the great opportunity to grow up in really the heart of biathlon in Antholz, Italy. Tell us about growing up and how you initially pursued your passion as an athlete in biathlon. Basically, I started skiing. For three years in uh, Antols, we have slopes, ski alpine slopes, but uh, close by. But we have also a lot of cross country, cross country possibilities. And then uh, when I was like eight, nine years old, I started basically with cross country skiing. And with nine, ten years around there, I don't remember actually. Well, it's a long time ago, but that's where I started uh, with biathlon early on, early on. And and how did you progress as an athlete? What level did you reach? I reached the national team level and I raced uh, my last two years on the European Cup, which is the IBU Cup from uh, from uh, from the modern times. So that's where where I ended up. Was uh, not a long career, but a career with a lot of experiences, good experiences, which I can use now as a coach. How did you make it into coaching? I know a lot of athletes choose to go that route. Was this something that you had wanted to do to become a coach and to lead others with the experience that you'd gained in your career? Actually, my former coach uh, wanted to stop coaching. And he just, when I stopped, he just uh, basically said, hey, you should you should look into coaching. And I want to stop and you should take take over, take over the whole ski club. Back then, it was the ski club from Mantholz and give it a try i uh, he thought i i would do well and i said i'm not really sure but we can we can give it a shot and here i am still still working on that was back in uh, 1992 so basically 30 years 30 years in coaching one of your big breaks, I think, was when you actually had an opportunity in 2009 to come and be a shooting coach for U.S. Biathlon. How did that come to pass, and what was your experience in the five years that you coached in, in uh, with the American team? It was an amazing time. I mean, uh, I got to know awesome people, uh, different country to work with, and different athletes different mentality. I learned a lot along the way. It was it was a really, really, really good time. And then tell us about uh, your career. There was a gap where you uh, coached elsewhere. Tell us a little bit about that period from 2014 until you returned to the U.S. in 2018. Um, in 2014, I was asked from the Swiss biathlon team to be the head coach for the women there. I did that for four years. I led that group to the Olympic Games in Pyeongchang. And we had also there really, really good, really good times, also some good results. And uh, basically, we, we built up a team which was not existing before. It was, there was no official women team. In 2014, they created that team and I had the chance to, to work with them and get some um, good results in the end. And in 2018, you had an opportunity to return to America to coach the women's team. Was that an opportunity that you really welcomed to come back to America and coach with the U.S. biathlon team? Yeah, definitely. There was still a lot of people I knew from before, and 
and it was uh, a pleasure to come back and it was like an honor to be asked again if I would join the team and uh, really appreciate the offer they made and um, to come back actually and I didn't hesitate I just said okay let's do it. In these past four years, you really oversaw uh, several generations of U.S. women's biathletes. Uh, uh, Susan Dunkley uh, ultimately retiring from her career, a whole new crew of people coming through. How would you characterize the women's team over the last four years? Uh, the last four years, we had couple of great results i would say i mean uh, with different with different people starting from uh, susan dunkley's medal at the world championships in antols luckily at my home that was <laughs> a really nice really nice uh, side effect to do it at at the world championships in antols claire egan's podium in uh, in the mustard in holmenkorn that was also a big achievement and then uh, Joanne Reed, who had uh, in Nursesun the 10th place in the Master and the 15th place in the Sprint, really, really good results also for her. And none, not, last but not least, Deidre Irvin with a 7th place, which resulted in being the best Olympic um, result from, uh, from American ever, ever done so far. So let's look ahead to Contiolati. The World Cup begins on the 29th of November. You have an unprecedented five women's starts. And let's start with the women's team. You've never before had five women starting the season for the, uh, for the U.S. biathlon team. Can you give us a rundown on, first of all, how did it come about that you ended up with those five starts? And who are the five that we can look for on the starting line in Contiolati next week for the women? Yeah, uh, we have the first time in uh, in uh, history we have five starboard, but we have also to be fair and honest. We would have probably only four. Uh, it's just because uh, Russia and Belarus got a start ban, I would say. So we would we would uh, actually start with four, but nonetheless, uh, it's a first. It's a first, and we try to use that opportunity to give people a chance. We will have three three ladies starting the first time in their career on the World Cup, which is Kelsey Dickinson, Chloe Levins, and Tara Garrett in Moats, with the two, I would say, experienced um, Joanne Reed and uh, Deidre Irvin on their side. So those are the five who will start in Contiolati. The result from uh, Deidre Irwin at the Olympics, we had her on the Heartbeat podcast a few weeks ago, uh, was really an amazing step. Uh, she comes from my home state of Wisconsin, so I'm very proud of her. But she's really made big progress now over the last two seasons. Yeah, she works really, really hard, I must say, and she's uh, committed and tries to challenge herself every single day. And I think she is um, even more hungry than ever after this result from last season and i think she she is aware that she can do even more than that and um i see her in training very motivated to do to do the next step and push the limits even more than she did she ever did 
So she and Joanne Reed now are essentially the elder statesmen on the team. They are the veterans, uh, even though they are both relatively early in their career. But how important is it to have athletes like Deidre, and I would say probably particularly Joanne, because she has a little bit more time on the World Cup. How important is that for the newcomers, Kelsey, Chloe, and Tara, who are making their World Cup debuts? It's always important to have like more experienced uh, people on the ground because it's just the experience, the daily experience you need to to gather over the years, and it's easy for for veterans, call them veterans, to to you know pass those experience along. And uh, it was the same for Joanne and and uh, Deidre when Susan was still on the circuit, and uh, she would you know pass her experience from past years to them. And it's always helpful to have like an experienced athlete on the ground, on the team to kind of, kind of lead, kind of lead the team into those very important races. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about Chloe Levins. We had her on the Heartbeat podcast recently. Uh, A very tough situation for her last year. Her career was on an upward trajectory, and then all of a sudden, complications from COVID took her out from the season. Uh, She looked to have a great camp in Soldier Hollow. How has she been skiing, and how excited is she about the opportunity to get a World Cup start this year? She's very excited, I must say, and she she had a hard time last season and uh, was very unfortunate uh, just before the season to get hit pretty heavily, I would say, from from COVID, which took her out for a couple of months. But she she recovered well. She did her training. She did she does the job every single day and uh, tries to to fight back. And uh, she got paid off now, and um, she can actually start on the World Cup now. And uh, she started here in Wurkati quite well. She's working hard. For her, for now, it's very important to to race, actually. To race, to collect uh, experiences, to collect uh, a lot of uh, different situations and make sure that this is going to help her for the upcoming seasons. Let's talk a little bit about Kelsey Dickinson. She comes out of that Crassbury Green Racing Project uh, program in in Vermont. Uh, She has been working her way up for the IBU Cup. Uh, This, too, for her, a big moment for her in her career to step up to the World Cup start line. Yeah, she's 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 very professional. She's she does her work. She's always willing to or trying to improve little things. And she also is at the moment i would say pretty calm pretty calm she she knows that she has worked quite well over the summer she worked a lot with mike gibson in uh, craftsbury which was her main like say main uh, mentor for the training season and i think she she has done a good work to prepare for for the season then uh, we will see where it where where we end up but it's also for her it's uh, important to to race those world cup races and get a lot of experience and go from there Finally, on the women's side, let's talk about Tara Garrity-Motes. Tara, for those who may not know her background, she had skied biathlon some years ago and then uh, moved into Nordic Combined, was the leading women's Nordic Combined athlete in the world, and then two years ago decided that she was going to make her play back in biathlon and hope to make that next Olympic team in coming up in 2026. Uh, Tara Garrity-Motes, uh, 
all of a sudden has worked her way up after two years and she's getting a World Cup start. Yeah, she's a multi-talent. She she worked with uh, different sports, uh, starting from ski jumping to Nori combined. Uh, she, I think, she was also a good mountain biker. She did already a little bit of biathlon a couple couple seasons ago, and she just came back and worked hard to be here. She needs also to collect some experience on this on this uh, level. But I'm pretty confident uh, with the attitude she has and the commitment she has that she will be an important part of the team uh, going on from here. Great. Let's move on now to the men's team. Four men will be starting in Contialati. Do you want to give us a rundown of the four athletes that we'll be able to watch coming up on November 29th? Sean Doherty, Jake Brown, Maxime Germain, and um, Vasek Servenka. Those will be the four in uh, Contiolati. Uh, it's a good mix between uh, some rookies and some uh, veterans. So, unfortunately, we cannot uh, count on uh, Paul Schommer. He would have been qualified. Right now, he's uh, injured. He has a little uh, problem on his knee. But um, he's on uh, rehab right now and tries to be back for... Uh, the next World Cups to come uh, in December. And is he rehabbing back in the United States? He's rehabbing back in the United States. Right now in Colorado, they are doing a good job and the medications hopefully work well for him. And um, we're pretty confident he's going to be back pretty soon. Well, let's go through the men's lineup. And first of all, the two veterans here, Jake Brown and Sean Doherty, give us a little background on them as they come into yet another World Cup season. I think Sean Doherty is ready to race, actually. He's ready to race. He gave me good feedback the other day after the intensity. He was like really happy with, uh, with the things, um, how the things are going for him physically and from the shooting side. So it's just a matter of time uh, in the next couple of weeks when he actually can actually have some good success. I'm pretty confident about that. And the same is for Jake Brown. I, I think he is in shape. He looks good on skis. Um, he improved uh, the shooting in the training. He just has to do it in the race now. And uh, I'm pretty, pretty confident also for him that he can actually have some really, really, really good results too. Let's move on now to Vaklov and Maxime. Both of them have been in a World Cup before last year, but really are the rookies in the group. Give us a little background on Vaklov and Maxime. For, uh, for Vasek and Maxim, it's really about the same like for Kelsey, Tara, and and uh, and Chloe. They need to to race. They need to you know get experience through racing. Uh, what it takes, what it means, what uh, how it feels, and all those things um, actually to race between the, uh, among the along the big names. But those those two guys are very promising for the future. They have a lot of talent, and uh, the federation, I think, believes a lot in their skills. It's interesting too to see that three of your four men, and I should also add Deidre Irwin, are coming out of the National Guard project. How has that been working, and what opportunities is that presenting for those athletes to get that kind of base training that they need to be successful? The National Guard actually is very, very important, a very important partner for us, for USBA. 
and uh, we have a really good cooperation with them. There is a good communication and having the National Guard, they have a really good program, I must say, with Travis Voyer and uh, Drew Galinas um, leading that program. Uh, we are really happy to have those guys and that they actually can give those athletes the chance to have a good training environment once they are not with USBA on training camps and support them uh, in a good way, but also not just training, but also financial part is like a good good support for them. The cooperation with, with them, like I said, is, is just, um, you, can, you cannot wish for more. Let's move on and talk about the calendar for the IBU Biathlon World Cup coming up with the starter November 29th to December 4th in Kantialati, Finland. What are some of the highlights on the calendar as you look ahead over the next few months on the World Cup? Yeah, of course, the highlight is Oberhof. Oberhof is going to be, uh, like always, uh, the, the highlight is the World Championships. And this year's, this season, we have them in Oberhof in February. We're going to prepare them um, just before in Antols. We will have a training camp there. And, of course, it's historically the U.S. is is um, trying to have also other good results. It's not that uh, we don't take the other other World Cups as, like, easy. We want to succeed in every, in every single World Cup. Um, what you get, you can get. That's... <laughs> It's uh, pretty easy, so we are happy with everything we get. But yes, the World Championships is a, always a highlight. How do you manage the peaking of athletes when you have a World Championships that falls right in the midst of your World Cup calendar? So you're going week to week to World Cups, and all of a sudden you have one that takes on this additional significance. How do you manage the peaking of athletes? The peaking is a very, <laughs> it's a very different, uh, very difficult story i mean uh, there's a lot of things who needs to be in place first of all you need to be healthy uh, that's the main factor and um, then uh, you need to have like a good base you need to have a uh, really good experience uh, leading into those um, uh, world championships and the the main um, the highlights of the season it's just there's so many factors counting in. You need to be in a good mental mental health. Uh, not just the physical part is important. The mental health is also important. You need to feel, feel kind of comfortable with what you're doing. You need to believe in your plan. You need to believe in yourself. You need to believe in and in, in, in trust the people who work with you, around you, just to put yourself in a, in a situation where you, where you have trust to actually succeed. Yeah, I know it's 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 a challenge with a busy schedule as it is. So you have announced your starters for the opening World Cups in Cantillate. How long is that period? And is there another point getting into January where you will potentially have some changes in that lineup? I mean, changes can always happen. Changes can always happen. There's never, nobody's really secure uh, the whole time. But those we have on the World Cup right now are the best shots for sure. I uh, hope that Paul Schommer can come back because he has he's a, he has a pre-qualified status. So waiting for him. But um, changes are always possible. The next ones, um, big ones, which can happen are after trials in Craftsbury, which are in December. And from there, some people can like move up uh, to the World Cup or to the IBU Cup and do international races. 
Just one final question before we start to wrap things up. Let's take a look at the other teams. Uh, is there any other team that you're really looking at this year, or any individual athletes, men or women, that we should be watching for as really top contenders on the World Cup? Top contenders are Norway, France, Sweden, Germany. I would say those are the, the four countries to look at. Everybody of those countries has like top, top shots and... Um, this is those are the countries to look at cool well i appreciate all of your insights we're going to wrap things up with our on target segment i've got a few short little questions for you and the first one you know go back to your childhood who was your sport hero when you were growing up in ansholz who was your sport hero a sport hero when i was younger one was carl lewis american i really liked him in the athletics then um, there was Bjorn Borg, the tennis player. I liked also him and Gilles Villeneuve, Formula One driver, and a couple of soccer players in Italy. That is a great lineup. Carl Lewis, I think a nine-time Olympic champion, uh, who, is a, who is a great one. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Um, do you have a favorite memory? Going back to your time as an athlete, do you have a favorite memory as an athlete? Yeah. There's one or two uh, when I was an athlete. Uh, one was also actually on a bike, you know, on a bike race, which was, was not biathlon related, but uh, I won a very big amateur race in the Dolomites. It's the Maratona at Les Dolomites, so about 7,500 riders on the, on the line. And I won the short distance there, and it's still the 15th best time uh, in history. So it's that's one of my... One of my good memories, I would say. That's a good one. You're in the record books. How about a favorite memory as a coach? I know that's a tough one because you've had a lot of them, but a favorite memory as a coach? There have been so many. One, one of the favorite moments for sure actually happened the last four years. I mean, with the four ladies I coached the last four years, they were like the results we already talked about were like amazing. The seventh place from Deidre or medal from Susan at, in my hometown, Claire Egan succeeding uh, in uh, being on the podium in Oslo. Those, those were probably the three top highlights, I would say, though, those which were I was like, well, that, that was really strong. That was awesome. Those are great memories. And then the last question, and I ask this to all of my guests, what is your favorite biathlon venue? And I won't let you name Antholz because you grew up there. So what's your favorite venue outside of Antholz? Antarselva. That's the Italian way to say Antholz. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, that's, I don't, we, we could, that, that's funny. I like that. No, I think uh, besides Antholz, I would choose actually France, Le Grand Bonnet. I love the excitement there. I love the people there. I love the way how they organize the, the, um, the race there. It's a mobile venue. People are so, so excited to see those biathletes ski around and shoot on the range. And there's thousands of thousands of uh, spectators super excited. I really like that place. Well, Armin, it has been a joy to have you here on Heartbeat. I thank you very much. We wish you all of the best luck to you and your team uh, as you head out onto the World Cup. Armin, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the opportunity and um, say ciao to everybody. Ciao, Armin. Ciao. 
It was really fun to talk to Armin. He's quite at home with the American team and proud of the accomplishments of his athletes. If you missed earlier episodes of Heartbeat this year, check out the interviews with Deidre Irwin in Episode 3 and Chloe Levins in Episode 4. They'll both be on the starting line in Contiolati. And remember to subscribe to Heartbeat to get every episode delivered directly to you. And leave a review if you can. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat, the U.S. Biathlon Podcast.